I'm very thankful for uh, this past week and for uh, uh, all the work that Mandy and her team and Jocelyn and the rest have done uh, for our kids for VBS. And uh, so uh, it, it was a fun, fun week. As Kevin said, it was just a cool week. Well, we're Kevin. Oh, there you go. Uh, it was just a cool week. We had stars and lights and things, and uh, but it was a lot of, uh, it was neat to see uh, all the kids here and, and learning about Jesus, and I know uh, my, my three-year-old loved it, uh, so it was a good week. Uh, always be praying for the kids of our church and, uh, and the kids' minister as well, uh, so pastor. Uh, I am uh, tasked with, as Wade is out of town, I'm tasked with uh, wrapping up his sermon series. I think uh, he is going to be listening to this. I think it's just to see how well I listened. Uh, because uh, normally, uh, you know, you don't have somebody else do the summary. Uh, but uh, he, I think it's a test for us. So uh, when he comes back to say, ah, oh, he did such a great job. Uh, he knew everything you preached. Just tell him that, uh, regardless of how you feel. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, so, but we are wrapping up in what seems to be uh, a, a sermon series he's been doing for a, a number of years. Uh, that uh, most of which I was not here for. Uh, but uh, but we are wrapping up chapter seven, and we're talking about building the kingdom. And in fact, it's the kingdom that God is building, uh, and that we are a part of. He's using us to build, and, and some of the factors, that, uh, some of the uh, parts of that uh, kingdom, and. Uh, we have been going through uh, in chapter 7. And so uh, now we wrap it up with chapter 7, verses 20, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. So hear these words of Christ. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because... It had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and then great was that fall. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. There are, uh, I've been telling stories about uh, Coach Horton and, and, and different tips of cross country and running that I can remember from many, many years ago, 40 years ago when I used to run. And, uh, and so I've used those every summer. And they've come to be expected, I think, by many of you. Uh, I, I think I'm running thin on those stories. I don't have that many. So I'm either I'm going to start churning them up again uh, or making them up, for that matter, uh, which I haven't done. But, uh, but there was one that, that came to mind uh, for this sermon. And it was uh, at the final days of Coach's life. Uh, Coach, got, uh, Coach Horton got ALS. Uh, he, uh, probably my senior year of high school, that's when he, he started showing some signs of it. He was uh, limited, but not in great ways. But as many of you know, uh, through ALS, moves quickly, and, and, it, and it can be uh, very brutal. And so he didn't uh, have that many years with it. And uh, towards uh, the end, evidently he was, this is on his deathbed, and he had been unconscious for a few days. And uh, they said that when he woke up, uh, 
one day, it was around 3 o'clock, and uh, around the time that practice for cross country was, and uh, so he says he woke up and he looked over at his son and said, Chris, what time is it? Uh, and and it, Chris goes, well, it's about 3 o'clock or whatever time it was. He goes, okay, get a pad of paper and write this down. Uh, and he gave him the workout for the boys that day. Uh, and so he was, that was what was always on his mind. That was what, what uh, drove him, not just our workouts, but us. He had invested everything in uh, his boys, uh, his runners. He had given everything uh, to them. That's what was always on his mind and drove everything he did, even as he woke up from uh, being sick for many days. That's the first thing that came to his mind. In fact, Coach wasn't actually uh, a, a real tennis TSSAA certified coach because he was an executive at Exxon. He would he volunteered this every day, and uh, and he was but he was there uh, at all times. That was the center of who what he did. Uh, part of our question is here: What is at the core of who we are? What is the foundation of our life that drives us? And so that's the question that is posed uh, to us in this passage that we hear about these two houses. These two houses, as far as we know, were identical in appearance. That if you were to drive down the street and to see them, uh, you would not say, that's a good house, that's a strong house, and that's a weak house. That evidently they were identical houses, and they were uh, most likely built of the same materials. And in the same way, with the same care uh, as each other. The structures of these houses were the same. Virtually the same, except for one thing. Their foundation. Whether, what they were built upon. What was holding them up. And it seems, though, on a regular basis, that they were both great houses. But over time, you would see uh, a shifting in one and not the other. And if it was a modern house, I don't know how houses back then were impacted. They would get, you'd begin to see cracks. Because I know I lived in a, we just moved out of in this last year, a house uh, that was 100 years old. And it always worried me. Because you would see these cracks every once in a while, and you would always wonder if that was an important crack or not an important crack. And, uh, but rains and floods and winds did come, and it didn't fall, and the cracks didn't get bigger necessarily. And, uh, but these two houses, they stood up against, the, uh, when the rains came, the floods came, and the winds came, one of the houses stayed, and one of the houses crumbled to the ground. Oftentimes, I didn't want to look at my house. I didn't want to call uh, whatever that number is you hear on the radio about foundation cracks and this, that, and other. I should have. Uh, we moved out of it first. Now maybe she should have. She should now. Uh, but uh, I never did because I didn't really want to know. And that's sometimes the way it is for us in life. Sometimes we want to just keep going and never stop and inspect the condition of our foundation. Jesus calls us to do that very thing, to look at our foundation, look at what we are built upon, look at this kingdom that God is building in this world, look at our church and, and ask ourselves, what is the condition of our foundation? How are we today? 
Are we standing on a strong foundation of rock, or are we not? So the question then is, how do we tell? What are the things that we look at? And it says here in verse 24, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the wise man who built their house on the rock, his house on the rock. So he's talking about these words of mine. He said, if you, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, so it's not just everyone who has sat in church faithfully on Sunday morning, as a good friend of mine, Max Apple, used to always say when he would uh, speak to college students, he said, just because you're in church, uh, just because you're in a McDonald's does not make you a Big Mac. Uh, and so just because you're in church does not make you a Christian. Uh, wise words. I actually texted him this morning and told him I was quoting him this morning. Uh, that uh, just being in church and hearing is not enough. But hearing God's word and doing and acting and living it out in our life is what we're called to do. And in this chapter, this is these words of mine that he talks about, he's referring back to this whole chapter. The teachings of Jesus, his teachings for us. And so we'll look at uh, briefly uh, the summary. This is the test for Wade, the summary of some of those things. And first one, we hear, judge not that you will not be judged. For you, the, with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It matters how we see others. That's one ingredient of this foundation. It matters how we see others. When we see others who have fallen, we see others who are not yet complete, others who are not perfect. Do we see them with judging hearts or do we see them with hearts of compassion? I always remember when I was a campus minister at Ole Miss and um, and I was, we would, during Holy Week, we would serve communion to our students, and we just kind of wanted to go closer to them and to uh, anyone who would want to come and, and partake of that. It was just in a smaller room upstairs in the student union, and there was this plain glass window that you could, a uh, plate glass window that you could look out and over the grove. And uh, good thing Wade's not here. Even mentioning the grove sends him into frenzies. Uh, but... Uh, but we're looking out over the grove, and you can see all these students, and, and really there was just a few who were coming up to receive communion uh, during that time. But I can remember my heart just breaking seeing so many students. Now, I wasn't saying that they were not Christian or they knew Jesus. I, who knew? I, don't, I had no idea. I knew many, many did not know Christ. And you look out there, and you wonder if they only knew what was being offered. I can remember my heart breaking. But it would be so easy at times when you look out over a crowd of people who aren't following Jesus or look at a crowd of people who aren't receiving that which you're offering to look out and just think, look at them. Look how bad they are. And let it make you angry. Let it make you frustrated. I know a good measure of, uh, of my heart a good measure of how I'm doing and whether I'm being burned out in ministry or not is how I feel about people. Is when I look out to others, when uh, I knew when I was downtown at First Church, uh, a good measure of my heart is when I would interact with the homeless on a daily basis. When someone would come with, with problems or come with uh, looking for money or this, that, and other, but how I would feel towards them. Did I have a heart of compassion or did it annoy me? Or 
that I just not want to deal with it. That we're called to be people that when we see others who are not yet complete, we, do we have hearts of compassion or do we have hearts of judgment? That's not saying that we don't desire for them completeness, because we do. It doesn't mean that we, just, we are uh, happy with sin in everybody's life, because we're not. We desire, uh, I desire for you completeness and wholeness in uh, all that Jesus has for you, and I desire that for myself. But in the meantime, how do I see you? How do you see others? How does our church treat others who are do not yet have it all together because the truth is none of us do so that's the first one is judge not that you not be judged then the next then we talked about uh how god sees us it says how ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you it was just a couple of days ago it happens uh, often and i've shared this about thomas before uh but i try to get in all my stories about Thomas because he doesn't understand money yet at a certain point uh, that I, I make an agreement that he gets five dollars for every time I use him his name in a sermon and the older boys get that too uh, so uh, he's not old enough though so I need to get some out uh, at this point but uh, and I've shared with you his uh, just fear of boo-boos and uh, his just kind of just craziness when it comes to those and uh he was he's gotten over this fear of band-aids i think i shared uh a few weeks ago but um boobies just throw him bad so he got i can't remember what it was it was a few days ago and something on his toe and it was bleeding just a little bit and boy you would have thought somebody cut off his leg and uh He's ah, he's laying there holding it and, and trying to kiss it and and, and just screaming and, and daddy don't wipe it. I was trying to wipe off the lip, little bitty bit of blood on there and and he was just uh, just scared to death and, and and crying and uh but and so when he's like daddy help me uh I didn't go ah you know I didn't freak out to the same level he did uh but uh I took it seriously. He was hurt. He was scared. I took it seriously. It was not a big deal. But my heart matched his in that and tried to help him through that. All too often, we don't go to God because we don't think that he cares about the things that we care about. Sometimes we don't think he takes seriously the things in our life that we take seriously. So too often in my life, I have things that stress me or overwhelm me or things that I'm worried about, and I don't bring them to God. Sometimes my view, it would seem, of God is not as one who is just waiting to give blessing after blessing, waiting to pour his love upon me, waiting to be a part of everything that I go through with me. Because he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. We need to look at God and see God as one who desires to be fully a part of our life. And bring all things to him and allow him to sort through that. Archbishop William Temple uh, said this, When I pray, coincidences happen. When I stop praying, the coincidences stop happening. Uh, and that's kind of the way it is. We need to just always be in a life of prayer, seeking God. So then that, 
Next would be in uh, verse 12, it says, so whatever you wish, uh, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. So this is how we see our mission. How we see our mission matters. How we see what we do matters. It says, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. So whatever we do to others, our actions, the way we live, the way we love, the way we treat others, should be the same way we desire to be treated ourselves. All too often, we have a much higher standard for others than we do ourselves. All too often, we think that we deserve more. And we desire more things or more uh, love or more uh, forgiveness, more grace, all these things uh, than others. We're called to do this simple thing, is love others the same way we would desire to be loved ourselves. And treat others the same way we desire to be treated ourselves. In verse 21, uh, we hear that relationship with Jesus matters. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Relationship with Jesus matters. It goes beyond just religion. Again, this goes beyond just uh, attendance or uh, being active in the programs or, or leading this, that, and the other committee or, or whatever it may be. It goes beyond that. It's not just what we do, although what we do is very important. It's the core, the foundation. It's the relationship that we have with Jesus. Because it says... Uh, on that day, many of you will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? He says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Are we known by Jesus? Do we know Jesus? If LeBron James were in town some, some point, let's say that you are, uh, the Mandy here is uh, a huge LeBron James fan. I don't really think she is, uh, but we're going to say she is. And, and she's a huge LeBron James fan. It's gotten to the point of kind of weird, and she just reads. You got into her office, you'd think that she'd have nice children's ministry stuff, but she has posters of LeBron James all over, and uh, not real. And, uh, and that's, that she's reading up. She had got these. Uh, instead of reading children's ministry uh, main books and things, she's reading up on biographies of LeBron James. It's getting kind of strange. And about to have to have a talk with her about her love for LeBron James. And uh, that, that's all she focuses on. She knows everything. She knows his favorite colors. She knows their kids' names. She knows birthdays. She knows everything there is to know about LeBron James. And he's coming to town. He's going to play the Grizzlies. And so she shows up. She gets these nice tickets, and she's at the tunnel where they come running out. LeBron, LeBron. She starts yelling. And, and uh, he says, it's hot. She goes, it's me, Mandy. <laughs> and uh, he just looks at her. LeBron, your favorite color is purple. <laughs> okay. It's just a really awkward moment. And he goes on. And uh, she comes in for counseling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man, this kind of got off track. Uh, but uh, we can know everything in the world, 
about Jesus. We can hear every sermon. We can uh, read the scriptures. We can study the Greek and the Hebrew. We can uh, do all kinds of things. But if we don't have a relationship, then we don't have a relationship. Then we don't know him. That's what's at the core is our relationship with Jesus. That's what everything else should flow out of. When he talks about the rock, the, the foundation, uh, possibly uh, Jesus is looking, is thinking ahead to uh, that which would take place later on. And uh, when Peter and Jesus, well, all the disciples and Jesus were meeting together, uh, and uh, Jesus comes to them. This is closer to the to the uh, crucifixion, the time which he would give his life for us, and and then would rise from the dead. Uh, He's meeting with his disciples, kind of preparing them for the last moments, and he knows it's important at this point in time to kind of get an idea or have them take stock of their lives a little bit and what they believe about him. But first he asks them, he says, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do people, and they say, some say he's John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So basically he's saying, what is everybody saying about me? He says, you know, some people say that you're really good, you're special, you're, you're uh, sent by God, and, and you're doing great things, and, but they're all stopping short, according to their answers, it seems. He says, all right, so who do you say that I am? Because that all doesn't matter as much as what you say that I am. And then Simon Peter stands up and he says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You, he says, You are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You are the one that we've been waiting for. You are the one who's come to save us from our sins, to redeem Israel. You are the one. Not the one who is next to the one. Not the one to prepare for the one. Not the one to get everybody ready. You are the one. And so Jesus' response to him is this. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. He says, you did not come up with this on your own, uh, but my Father in heaven, uh, my Father who is in heaven. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now that little phrase, on this rock I will build my church, has had much, there's been much discussion over the, the years of what exactly it's referring to. It could be one of two things, and it's not clear. One is talking about this rock being Peter, being this rock. And there's some evidence to that, and that would mean that Jesus would be the leader of the church going forward. It's upon him and who Peter is that they would be building the church. I suspect, as many do, that it's not just Peter it's something greater than that. The, the, the this in this phrase is referring back to what Peter said. The confession of faith that Jesus made, that that is the rock. That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And that is the rock upon which we build our church. That is the rock upon which we build our lives. Who Jesus is. That is what matters for all the rest. That is what uh, that transforms us and helps us to judge in the way that, that Jesus would have us judge and to, to seek the Father and to all these things that we list. That's what gives us the foundation in life. It's the confession in our life that Jesus is the one. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I know him. I know him in my life. 
And because of that, when the rains come and the rains will come, when the winds come and the winds will come, when our houses are rocked by many, many facts, that we will stand strong, not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is. It may be time for us to do that, to stop and to look and, and see if we have that foundation at all in our life. What is our house built on? But also, it may be time, like I should have done in my previous house, to take a look at the foundation and, and pay attention to the cracks. Pay attention to the things that we've kind of, we've kind of put to the side and didn't want to pay attention to. What are the places in our life that we need to allow Christ to heal? What are the places in us that we need to allow him to rebuild? Where do we need to open up to him? If we will do that, he will be faithful. And we will find ourselves standing on a ground, on a foundation that is far stronger than we could ever imagine. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you care what we build these houses on of ourselves. In fact, you are the one who's doing the building, and you care about our church, Emmanuel United Methodist, and the ground upon which we stand. So we pray that you will help us to continuously uh, look and inspect and allow you to inspect deeply the areas that we can't even get to. And we pray that you would begin to do the work in us that needs to be done so that we may be standing on your foundation, strong foundation. And when the rains come, when the winds come, that we will be ready. In your name we pray. Amen.